I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I am Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. And today I have a friend with me. Introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Sean Latimer. I've uh, been on once before. Happy to be back. Thank you for having me. Yep. And Sean and I are going to talk about an article that we published this week called The Commitment Crisis. And no, this is not about high school students afraid to commit to who they want to go to prom with. I thought it was going to be marriage, but yeah, I guess it could be either. <laughs> <laughs> about marriage, yeah. Did you have a commitment crisis? Was it hard for you to get married, Sean Latimer? I don't think so. I didn't get cold feet or anything, but there is something to be said about forever. Yeah, till death do us part. Hey, anyway, so today's article is about commitments. And what I opened the article talking about, and I think you can attest to this, it is really hard in life to not overcommit. So I know for you, you are a dad of two, you're a baseball coach, you're a financial advisor, you have lots of commitments that you have. Tell me about that. Unwind that. Uh, is it ever hard to figure out how to balance all those things? It sometimes can be. Yeah, you're right. When um, my son Mason, he plays, you know, t-ball and soccer. And, and when I get asked to be an assistant coach, uh, the answer is always yes. Well, then I come to find out there's practice a couple days a week and then you have to be there every game and if one of the other coaches can't be there then you really have to you can't miss anything and and so then you start to balance that with just work commitments and board meetings and conference calls and you realize oh my gosh my schedule's packed yeah it's a juggling act and every time you try to clean it up just like when you try to clean the garage next time you turn around it's all messy again and you yep. have to you have to reclean it uh here's a question for you because my kids are not at that age yet but how competitive are dads when we're talking t-ball and soccer? Like, be honest. Don't don't over embellish. Yeah, it. no, it's true. Because so when they play soccer, they're you know five years old, so they're pretty little. But you do find yourself kind of like nudging them, like go over there, go over there. <laughs> There's a funny video out there of um, I think a dad uh, pushes a kid who's playing goalie like down in the way of blocking the ball, and it's like, well, that's one way to do it. But <laughs> you you definitely do feel a little competitive spirit. But at the end of the day, you just want them to have fun. Yeah, exactly. And uh, a lot of this article was the intro was this idea of, I like to say yes to things. I enjoy helping people. And I really don't like to let people down. So if my neighbor, which I'm doing this week, says, hey, can you put my trash cans out? And can you feed my fish every day? Of course I can. Yeah. So whether it's like dog sitting or uh, volunteering for something at church, I say yes a lot. And these things are small. Like feeding the fish is not a difficult thing to do. The point I try to make is that when you commit to a lot of these things, they start to snowball and it starts to become a little bit overwhelming. It's true. And when you're a dad and an advisor and an elder at church or you're on a board or whatever it might be, these things start to become a little overwhelming. And I wanted to make this point that uh, I feel, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do feel our culture is pushing us not to maybe overcommit with our time, but overcommit financially. And one thing I mentioned in this article, and you and I have joked about it before, but there's all these luxury items out there these days that are offering themselves to be financed on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. So whether I, you have a Peloton bike at your house. We do. I've thought about getting a Peloton treadmill. And maybe these things classically, I don't know treadmills, you know better than me, maybe they're classically $1,000 or $2,000, but this one's $4,000. Right. Uh, but you can finance it over five or six years, and then it's a monthly payment that's less than $100. Exactly. And the marketing behind that seems really attractive. Well, they've 
gotten really good at it. And you talk about it in the article, uh, they do analyze, you know, the cost per acquisition. And then they think of ways to almost trap you with value. Because once you do decide you want to purchase something um, in our human nature, we're, we're probably going to find a way to do it. And uh, in the past, if you wanted to buy a $3,000 treadmill or bike, you'd have to save and then buy it. Well, now they've made it so easy that you can commit with no money down, 0% interest, you pay the monthly. And there's a lot of programs too, where if you go to purchase a service, if you commit for a certain amount of time, it's a lower price. Well, you've already made that decision that you want it. You don't know if you're going to want it for one month or 12 months, but you want the better deal. And there is some psychology in there where you end up committing to longer. And then you find yourself three months in not using it. And you go, well, shoot, why did I do that? No, I think you're exactly right. And and you mentioned the business side of it. And I don't want to get into too much of the, the mechanics or metrics or whatever. But really behind the closed door, they're looking at the lifetime value of a customer. Mm-hmm. So if it's a subscription and it's $50 a month, that customer is not worth $50. It's worth however long average they stay a customer. So they're trying to figure out how do we grow acquisition, reduce or grow retention, right? Mm-hmm. Reduce attrition. And then they have this idea of, okay, here's the, the value of getting a customer, a lifetime value. And now what can we spend to acquire that customer? So they do the marketing and all these things. And one thing that they figured out, it's much easier to commit to $50 a month than it is to commit to a $4,000 payment. Definitely. The problem that I see is that the customer doesn't realize and I'm not trying to create this scene where, you know, the adversary of the business versus the consumer, but the business wants more business. Mm-hmm. What the customer doesn't understand is that they're not committing to a $50 monthly payment. They're committing to a $4,000 liability. Right. So if they were a business and they were carrying their own balance sheet, guess what? That commitment shows up on their balance sheet as a liability. Right. And what I want to juxtapose this against is let's think about what happened in 2008. There were multiple players in the financial crisis, right? But kind of the start of it was mortgage companies wanted to do more mortgages. Mm -hmm. And what did they figure out? People didn't make decisions based on the value of the house or the cost. They made decisions based on what? The monthly payment. Right. So if you could create new products that made the monthly payment feel more affordable, that was people's easy decision. Can I afford $3,000 a month? Yes, but could they afford a $2 million home? Probably not. Nope. And they didn't do that math. So that's what I was trying to say is that there's a difference between the monthly payment and the actual liability. True. Uh, and the other point that we make, like we've talked about with whether it's T-ball or board meetings or conference calls or whatever they are, one of these things isn't causing uh, a lot of distress. It's the accumulation of these things. Mm-hmm. Something that we've talked about over the years too is a lifestyle creep where you find yourself spending a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then you look back and you wonder, how did I get here? And I think it is, I don't think it's the large purchase, you know, the car, the house, because those are things that people typically put more thought in. It's the small $50 here, $100 here. And then next thing you know, you have 10 different streaming services and five different subscriptions that send you clothes or food or whatever it might be. And you're spending thousands of dollars on these things that you never expected. Yeah, it's incremental, right? Mm-hmm. You hit the nail on the head. I, I feel that exactly. And I think for people of our kind of demographic or whatever, we think about those things. Think about the Netflix commitment. Think about the Peloton commitment. Think about being an annual pass holder to Disneyland. Think about, you know, wanting to make sure that you have that vehicle that matches, you know, the people in your neighborhood and the monthly commitment there. Then that makes your car insurance go up and so on and so forth. And it just kind of 
it, it seems to snowball, like as I said. It definitely does. And the, uh, I did make a funny little chart. Did you did you capture what that chart was trying to 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 yeah? Because you initially have that uh, you know spike of enjoyment the first maybe it's the first month or the first day and you're excited. Well, maybe explain it to the listeners if they're not looking at the blog. Yeah, so it's pretty straightforward. If you're committing to let's say the the expense is going to be a hundred dollars a month for three years. Well, the first three months that you bought that bike and you're super excited to achieve your fitness goals or whatever it might be, you're using it every day. You're excited. You love it. And then after a while, you maybe you lose some of your motivation and you're not using it as much as you thought. And then you look back and it's been a year. You only used it for three months. Then you didn't use it as much in the future. Well, you're still paying $100 a month for the next two years for the bike that you're not using anymore. Yeah, that cost feels perpetual, but the utility or the enjoyment uh, is kind of diminishing over time. Mm-hmm. Not for everybody. I know your household, you guys use the Peloton bike a lot, but... I think there's probably a lot of people listening right now that have an old piece of fitness equipment in their garage, I do, that doesn't get used, or they have a a membership or a streaming service that they realize, like, hey, I haven't used that in a really long time. So I guess we understand this is a reality, that culture is pushing us down this way, that businesses want to profit, they want to grow client base. But what do we need to be aware of uh, as consumers, or what would be the advice to clients? So one thing that uh, I, I actually will give my wife credit because uh, when we did get our Peloton bike, she we have two young children. And so she was realizing that she doesn't have time to get to the gym because of nap schedule and school and it just didn't make sense. So what she thought is, well, if I'm not spending money in the childcare and I maybe don't go use the gym membership as much and I put it on hold, it would save us X amount of dollars a month. Well, what if I applied that towards this payment and got the bike? So I, I have to give her credit because she presented it perfectly where it was a break even. And I would encourage other people to do that, that if you do kind of look at these expenses, look at it more like a balance sheet or a budget where if you say, OK, if I do really want to start doing this or purchase a streaming service, maybe it's give and take. Maybe there's something else I should stop to kind of keep that balance instead of just incrementally adding to my expenses every month. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because I think a lot of financial blogs Uh, miss on that point i think they try to encourage this idea of like you need to live off of bread and water but what you just nailed is that product or that service was additive to your wife's life and it was worth it it continues to add value but she understood the cost and the expense and made sure that lined up with what she wanted it wasn't like a knee-jerk reaction correct and that's kind of where i talked about in the article is it's okay some of us have accumulated these things and um so be it what we need to do is we need to take inventory. So I can think right now, there's a TV show that I really liked, and it ran for two or three seasons, and I bought a streaming service just to watch that, and it was canceled like six months ago, and I still have that streaming service. Now, these are tiny dollar amounts, so I know it's not extremely meaningful to somebody's bottom line budget, but maybe it's more principal. And this idea of making sure that you have a good inventory of what you're paying for and that everything that you have in your budget or cash flow still is additive to your lifestyle. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think the other thing I would encourage people is to be really careful when they commit to things that are financed. I mean, we talk a little bit about subscriptions. Those are easy because you can kind of align when you don't want to use those anymore. The financing, you can't back out. You've already committed to pay for this thing. So What sparked the idea for this article is I I saw somebody online talking about wanting to buy a a new mattress, and people were giving recommendations of different mattresses. And I love my sleep. So I was interested, so I started looking at these things. And like most of these 
I don't know, classic consumer products, they're now like technology companies. Right. <laughs> so this bed had like Bluetooth. It would adjust the temperature based on your temperature. It would give you a full report of your sleeping schedule and that or that and the other. But I think it was it was some astronomical number, but then you could finance it for a really long time for a really low cost. And I was thinking, hey, if you were purchasing a new home and maybe you needed a new couch and maybe you wanted a mattress, maybe you wanted a piece of fitness equipment, you could easily find yourself doing two, three, four, five, six of these things that are like 100 bucks a month and mm-hmm. not think twice about it. But having a price tag or a liability, that might be $50,000. Yeah. And it's not always easy to stomach or figure out that you're actually doing that. Yeah. And we kind of touched on this earlier, but the marketing is getting better too. Like think of how many hours per night or day you sleep. You're going to have it for years. It's the best investment in yourself. It's better for your health. And you you think of all these things. You're like, oh, I guess I need it. And then you went from going to get a $500 mattress to a $5,000 mattress and you're going to be paying for it. Yeah. And that's where, like I said, I, I don't want to make it look like they're adversaries, but I, I, I think there is some level of competition competition between the, the business and the consumer. The business really wants to convince you that you can't live your life without this. And with this idea that we are a culture of luxury, everything from your lawn chair out front to your toothbrush, there's some new age technology company that's reinventing and that you have to do it this new way. And just to piggyback on that, we we didn't even really bring up this aspect, but uh, the keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, we look at our neighbors and if they have the newest car, or the newest bike, or the newest toothbrush, maybe not toothbrush, you might not know, but... Sonicare? Yeah. I mean, we, our family has one, I remember. <laughs> but you, you look at these things and, and there's that natural culture as well that's been around forever that if your neighbor has something new or exciting, it kind of may intrigue you to do the same. Yeah, and I, I want to uh, kind of wrap this up with Perhaps this article doesn't apply to a lot of our clients. A lot of our clients have done a really good job saving, and their wealth they've accumulated, it it more than overshadows their monthly commitments and expenses and things like that, which is totally fine. What I want you to gather from this article is that you are going to be an advice giver to your children. And I just imagine how many people right now are coming out of college with a lot of student loan debt, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to be purchasing their first home. They want all these accessories that you're talking about. Uh, I live in San Clemente, and if you live in San Clemente, you have to have an electric bike. Have to. Right? So we're, then we're talking about a couple thousand dollars to a, uh, an electric bike. And then there's trails in San Clemente for mountain biking. Some mountain bikes are $10,000, mm-hmm. right? So all of these things um, – and actually, one thing we didn't mention here uh, that I, I said in a kind of funny way in the article is when you make that purchase – like we said, you're deriving enjoyment now, so you're satisfying current self, but you know who's responsible for paying that bill? Future self. Future self, <laughs> yeah. definitely. So what you're actually doing is you're committing your future income that you haven't even made yet. True. And I think that for young people creates, I think it can be a, a proponent of like future depression. Yeah. Because some of these things you're not going to be able to back out of, and once you commit... You have to continue to commit to them, which means that you have to work that overtime, which means that you might have to get the second job or Uber drive and being dramatic. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you might find people that have, hey, I have 10, 15, $20,000 of monthly commitments. I have to keep working. Yeah, that's true. So here's where I want to end with you. What are some common questions that you've been getting? I have one in my mind, so I can go first if you want time to think. But is there one common question you've been getting from a lot of clients recently? I think the most common topics have been, you know, 
current pandemic, election, monetary policy, kind of all over the board. Okay. So that is probably in line with what I was saying. So uh, one common question I'm getting right now is whatever somebody's political opinion is, is if, you know, fill in the blank wins president, I don't know if I can be invested uh, because that would be detrimental to our country. How do you talk somebody off the ledge that has – I've gotten that question three times yesterday. Really? Well, it's interesting because I, I think – and we've talked about this in the past that uh, politics have always been pretty polarizing, but I don't think they've been in your face as much. And I, I think the biggest proponent of that is uh, technology. I mean, social media, you go on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it might be, and you're surrounded by you know, people similar to you probably, depending on who you're following – and it's in your face nonstop, all day, every day. And so it's pretty hard to escape it. And I, I think in the past, it was probably just as competitive, you know, no matter what political party you're in. And But now I think that it's much more dramatic and it's much more extreme, one side or the other. Uh, one thing that we do know in capital markets is that things are priced in, whether it's a recession that will eventually happen or a correction that will come, or if someone is expected to win presidency, that's already priced in. So uh, I would tell the person if they said, hey, we, and you've talked about this in recent articles that, uh, you know, it's cash king. Well, if you're thinking of a short term, very short term, maybe it makes sense to be in cash. But if you're thinking for the next 10 or 20 years, I don't think that this election is going to make make or break your retirement plan. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and I talked to a client about that yesterday, is that you're probably not going to be sitting on your rocking chair on the porch 30 years into retirement thinking, man, I, I wish I would have made a different decision in the 2020 election regarding investing. Is There's this obsession with the here and now and needing to make a decision when actually a decision doesn't always have to be made if you've created a plan. So maybe that's a good segue for an article that should be written next week. But we'll end there. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we'll ask you to rate the podcast, leave comments. You're always welcome to email us. I'm T. Cummings at thebonsongroup.com. And Sean is uh, S. Latimer at thebonsongroup.com. We look forward to hearing from you. And until next week, this is Tom signing off. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.